Do you mind to tell us what's your job now? What are you doing now? What's the company? What are you working on right now? Uh, so the company that I started uh, within the last year is called 1821 Health. And I left what you could consider corporate America uh, to start this company um, because it has been a longtime passion of mine. Uh, it is something that I wanted to really immerse myself in and fulfill on a full-time basis. And that is uh, focusing on leadership development in healthcare. In my estimation, uh, with all the forces affecting healthcare, the health of our population, the wellness of people, uh, the technologies that are emerging, the, the financial pressures, the, the regulations, the access to convenient care, all of these different problems um, are very complex. And the way that we can best approach them, at least from a healthcare industry standpoint, is to address it through leadership skills. And that is something that we need to keep enhancing, keep improving, keep developing, not only within those that are in designated leadership positions, but in my estimation, everyone in healthcare is a leader in their own right. Whether it's the person at the registration desk, to the nurse at the bedside, to the physician, to the housekeeping team, everyone in healthcare is a leader. And as such, it would benefit everyone to have a foundation of leadership skills. And so that's where 1821 Health comes in. It is a company focused on the development of foundational leadership skills in everyone. So think of it as democratizing leadership skills and think of the creativity that we can harvest from our entire workforce in terms of problem solving and improving what we do. Mm. Um, the name 1821 Health was an interesting journey in and of itself because I was trying to find a name for this company and I certainly didn't want to have my name in it. Uh, I didn't want to have the name or the word leadership in it because that's kind of a tired word and it's something that appears everywhere. So digging a little bit and going down a few rabbit holes, um, it turns out that the year 1821 is the year the word leadership first appeared in the dictionary. And since the company was founded last year, 2021, it was a celebration of the 200th year anniversary of the word um, which essentially gives a nod to the past, meaning many of the leadership qualities that were relevant 200 years ago are still important today, like integrity and setting a vision. Mm -hmm. But how we develop leaders and how leadership is manifest within organizations needs to change. And mm -hmm. so a nod to the past, but an eye to the future. That's really cool. I love the way that name came about. That's really, really cool. Um, so let's keep talking about kind of how you got started in this new venture. What was the, you talked about it, it was kind of a passion of yours. How did, how did you get to today? What, what, what kind of led you to, um, 1821? Oh, it's a, uh, it's a winding path mm -hmm. and one that I never would have envisioned when I began my career or even my education. Um, I knew that coming out of high school that I had an interest in health mm -hmm. in some way. And it made sense for me to pursue a pre-med curriculum in college. Um, I started college as a biochemistry major, 
but within a semester, I changed to a double major of religious studies and psychology. Mm. And the reason that I chose those was because you only go to college once. Why not pursue a course of study that really interests you and that is going to be one of your only opportunities to study that discipline? And I thought, well, if I'm going to get into health and I'm going to be a physician, then I'm going to be practicing science and chemistry and biology for the rest of my career. So why not study something that's a little bit different that maybe addresses the human aspect of things? And I'll have plenty of time for the sciences later on. Mm. So through medical school, uh, the next decision was, well, what kind of physician do I want to be? And I chose internal medicine because it was a broad-based discipline wide variety of issues affecting adults' health. Um, and I didn't want to narrow my focus too much because I just wanted to keep a, a broad view and have exposure to a lot of different problems, patients, and, and issues. And when I began my residency training and then into the first part of my career, I began to notice things that I never would have expected in practicing medicine. And that is that the systems that we work in are pretty cumbersome. Uh, there are things that we seem to do that are redundant and very bureaucratic. And oftentimes it's hard to get things done efficiently. And I began wondering, what could we do to improve the system in which we work, which would then improve care that we provide to patients? So that led me to take on more and more management roles, which is really ironic because when I was in medical school and I was in residency, I remember stating very clearly up on a soapbox that under no circumstances would I have anything to do with the business side of medicine. I wanted to be a doctor's doctor. I wanted to see patients and practice great medicine and let all the business stuff be taken care of by others. Mm -hmm. um, and here I ended up full-time in management. Um, so pretty ironic um, and very unexpected. And I think it just, I think it just reflects uh, my being flexible and open to different roles as time went on, um, to an exposure to problems and issues that I never had an appreciation for earlier. And also finding out that I had skills or an aptitude for management. And I was attracted to, uh, to that part of the industry. And so that's what led me more and more to advancing management roles over time. And within that, uh, part of my work was trying to develop other managers, develop other leaders. Hmm. It started out developing physician leaders. And so those physicians who had an interest in becoming leaders, whether it was a medical director position or overseeing quality for a hospital or some other kind of initiative, my job became to train other physicians to become leaders. And that became part of my job. And it was very, very satisfying because I could see people going on to do great things mm -hmm. over time. Mm -hmm. It expanded then to include others in healthcare. So I 
became uh, part of a role that uh, helped to train CEOs of hospitals and other healthcare leaders that already had pretty significant positions, but helping train them in new skills that they hadn't had before that they could apply to improve quality of care, patient safety, and a lot of other important areas. And over time, I found that that was really the most enjoyable part of my job. And yet, as my jobs expanded, I was doing less and less of that. And I think deep down, I'm a, a frustrated educator, teacher at heart. And I decided I really wanted to do this full time. And as such, I ended up breaking off and starting my own company to do so. Um, which is a risky endeavor, mm -hmm. I realize. And, uh, and at the same time, I think deep down, I never would really forgive myself if I didn't try, mm -hmm. if I didn't apply myself and build something that I think could really make a difference. Mm -hmm. That's really great. So this is really cool. You've already touched on why we do a lot of this, this podcast, what we've learned has been so cool. It's because there is an entrepreneurial side and you touched yes. on kind of reinventing yourself. And that seems to be a theme with entrepreneurs, but also uh, we deal in tech recruiting. We're IT recruiters. So we also talk with candidates. So there's a candidate aspect to this podcast as well. I may be leaning more into that with this question, but you talked about how your goal is to make sure that everyone in the system realizes that they can be a leader. Maybe it's in a yes. hospital, it's a nurse or a CNA in a skilled nursing facility. How do we get that that messaging to a nurse or maybe a CNA in a SNF, like a skilled nursing facility, like you are a leader in what you do? Is it is it just that messaging that um, is more related to how important it is for the care for that patient? Like, how do you get that across to those personnel, if that makes sense? It, it makes perfect sense. And it, it's an outstanding question, one that doesn't have a necessarily an easy answer. Mm. In my experience, there are many leaders, many executives, and I've seen this over and over where an executive over a healthcare facility or a health system will stand up in a town hall meeting or in front of different audiences and say things like, look, everyone here is a leader, uh, or I want to empower all of you to improve things in your workplace or to fix problems or to help solve issues that we've been struggling with. So this notion of all of you are leaders, we want to empower you, that is a, an existing sentiment within many executives today. Um, when it gets communicated overtly like that, it is terrific for frontline workers, clinicians, nurses, doctors, everyone to hear that. It's inspiring in many ways. However, it, uh, it sometimes can also be frustrating because those words come out, but it may not be followed by tangible action that follows through, that enables people to be empowered, that gives people the ability to be leaders in their work environment. Um, so to answer your question, the first step really is by an executive of some type declaring and messaging and communicating to their staff, to their workers that everyone here is a leader. 
And I'm hearing that more from progressive organizations that are looking at their workforce differently. And by the way, the healthcare workforce, as we all know, is under tremendous strain Mm -hmm. and pressure. Mm -hmm. Um, There are so many open positions. So many health systems are understaffed. Everyone is struggling for good people to work. And it's not only putting a strain on the health system, but it's putting a strain on communities for getting great access to care when they need it. Um, So first and foremost, it is a message from executives, but importantly, it really needs to be followed up by concrete action that others can experience, that others can take advantage of, and that actually becomes meaningful in terms of translating those words into action. Mm, That's good. Yeah. In my own life, so I worked at Dick Sporting Goods and I became a teacher. Then I fell into IT. But I, I distinctly remember working at Dick Sporting Goods right after college uh, and not yeah. feeling like, um, and it, it might have been because I didn't seek out the help, but not feeling like, I, I remember feeling like they didn't help train me. They didn't help mm-hmm. me become the manager and then the regional supervisor, whatever those things yes. are. Is that part of your uh, curriculum is to to take entry-level people and say, here's what you can become and here's how we'll get you there? Mm. Is that, could you talk yes. about that? Yes, absolutely. Um, and what you're describing is a very common phenomenon in healthcare. Right. Um, so typically what may happen is, let's say for an example, there is an open nurse manager position. Well, who gets selected for that role? It's typically whoever was the best nurse. (laughs) And they're tapped and said, uh, we'd like you now to be nurse manager. Uh, The same applies to physicians. And I've seen this over and over personally. And that is the the physician who is liked the most uh, or who may be the best clinician is tapped to be the next medical director. Uh, And this applies to many, many different disciplines. Um, The challenge with that um, is that, number one, they have not been evaluated as to whether or not they possess the leadership potential or acumen to begin that role. Number two is they have received no preparation whatsoever in terms of entering that role. And third is the training that they receive often significantly lags they're taking on the role and is insufficient to fully uh, reach the the potential and expectations for the role itself. So there are just a lot of things that are rolled into this uh, phenomenon and culture, particularly within healthcare. Um, So the idea behind 1821 Health is to provide a, not only a curriculum, but a learning system that is available and accessible to everyone within an organization, regardless of title, position, or rank. And the idea is to build a foundation of leadership skill in everyone. And what that does is it not only captures the entire front line, and enable them to do their jobs better and to work within the organization in a better way and to build teams and collaborate and communicate with one another 
more easily. But it also captures the promising up-and-comers. Those that are likely to get tapped for formal leadership positions down the road, and those that would like to grow their careers and to build a, an arc and a pathway that takes on more and more responsibility over time. So we're embedding skills in people in preparation for the future, whether they would like to stay in their current roles or whether they would like to aspire to something with broader depth and responsibilities. Um, so it is so important to provide that level of preparation so we're not playing catch up once somebody is in that role. We are hearing quite a bit of CEOs and maybe just executive level people talk about the importance of culture within their organization. More of the folks that we work with are smaller startups, and you're probably dealing with larger, large like health systems and CEOs of those types of companies, which right, may make right. it a little more difficult the larger it gets maybe. But do you mind to talk a little bit on the importance of culture and that um, setting that from the, the executive level down, um, just culture in general? Oh, boy. Um, another, another big question. Sorry about that. <laughs> well, it, it, it is, but it actually is one of my favorite topics of all. Awesome. Um, because culture is often thought of something that is a little bit squishy, hard to get your arms around, a little hard to describe, and really nebulous in terms of how to change it. Mm. Um, oftentimes, people think of it as something that is it's just around us, and it is what it is. And it's really hard to, you know, to, to, to make a difference here. Mm. Um, and the way I describe culture simply is culture is the operating system of a company, whether it is three people or whether it is 30,000 people. Mm. Culture is the operating system of a company. It is the environment in which everyone is steeped every day and determines the outcomes that are coming from that organization or company. Um, and the importance of culture, can't I can't underscore them enough. I can't overemphasize them. Um, you think of culture and what happens when a negative culture or a flawed culture is in place. That's what led to the space shuttle disasters with the Challenger and the Columbia. Mm. Um, that is what led to the downfall of Theranos. Hmm. That is what's led to headlines involving Wells Fargo and Toyota and a, a number of other companies that flaws in the culture can have far-reaching effects and oftentimes can be lethal, in fact. And the same is true in healthcare. A flawed culture can lead to harm to patients and even death. Mm. Um, and this has been studied over and over and over again. And so I usually begin describing culture in that context to make sure that we are, we are very clear on how important this is. Mm. Um, culture also drives whether people stay or leave a company. Um, and, uh, and, and ultimately, people will vote with their feet. If it's an undesirable culture where they don't feel respected or they don't feel like they have a voice or they're not able to do their jobs effectively, uh, they will leave and they have options in terms of where to go. 
So culture really drives uh, the people and it drives behavior. Uh, that's, that, that is it, plain and simple. Culture drives organizational behavior. Mm. And yet the good news is that culture can change. There is a method and a model for culture to change. Uh, it's not easy, uh, but it's not rocket science. It just takes um, a framework. It takes consistency, and it takes um, uh, and, and it takes an awareness and an approach that is um, based on a model, not based on um, uh, instinct uh, or based on um, other factors that are that are less reliable. Um, so. Um, absolutely culture is, is paramount, uh, within organizations. Um, and, um, and the good news for, for leaders and entrepreneurs is culture can be engineered, uh, and it can be changed. Mm. People will uh, vote with their feet. I like that. I've never heard that. Yeah. <laughs> um, when, when you think about, um, changing culture, does, does 1821 have that as a part of their curriculum? Um, to te- I, I completely understand that it, it, you've gotta, it starts with the executive team and trickles down. But do you have anything um, that can go to entry-level employees that are like, these are the things that um, we want to build our small culture, the, the world that we see every day, the people that we touch every day. This is, these are the values that we want to impart to them. So do you have anything like that? Have you ever seen anything like that? Yes. Yes. In fact, that is a, a significant part of the, the curriculum. Um, 1821 Health has a, a virtual library of leadership lessons, mm. and that is culture is an entire category unto itself mm. um, because it is so important in how organizations operate and how um, how the workforce is engaged uh, as a result of culture. Um, and that framework really does begin with a, you have to begin with a vision. You have to begin with an idea, a written picture of what you want the culture to be. You have to define it. And without that exercise, then no one knows what they're working towards. Uh, nobody knows what, what direction to take. Uh, it's kind of like the, the the reference to Alice in Wonderland. Um, if you don't know where you're going, just about any road will get you there. Um, and so beginning with a defined vision, this is where we want to go. This is what we aspire to. And it may contain things like uh, respect in the workplace. It may relate to things like learning. We want a culture of learning. Uh, we want a culture of um, safety in certain industries that, uh, that are either dangerous to uh, customers or to workers themselves. Um, whatever it is that you want to characterize your culture, ultimately, you need to be able to state it in writing so that everyone can see it and share it and know what you're working towards. Mm-hmm. Um, the next step is leadership sending signals um, to everyone in terms of what's important and how to behave. So if a culture of respect is something that is part of that vision, then the way leaders demonstrate respect and they role model it, how they spend their own time, who they spend time with, what they notice and comment on, 
what they reward. What is a violation? What, what, is, what happens when someone is disrespectful or there is disrespect in the workplace? All of those things add up to signals that people are noticing and watching all the time. Um, so think of leaders as constantly generating signals that people are paying attention to. And so based on those signals, then those can be embedded or cemented in a way in terms of the way the organization works. So what are the hiring practices? Uh, what are the performance review practices? Um, how do we conduct our business? Uh, those sort of things. What are the workflows and processes that people use every day? How are those going to reflect that respect is something that we treasure and that we want part of our culture? Hmm. Um, and then finally, um, and this is where everyone comes in, for a culture to really take root and really be engineered and to really be durable, then you have to deputize everybody. Um, you have to say, okay, this is the culture. Uh, this is what we're striving towards. And it only works if everyone is, is moving in the same direction. So from this point on, like it or not, coming on board in this company, you are now a card-carrying, badge-toting deputy of the culture. Hmm. And so when the leader's not around, your behavior is what's going to drive it. Hmm. Uh, when no one is looking, your behavior is what's going to determine the outcome. Um, so this whole cycle is so important, not only as a model, but to really put the importance on everyone in the organization taking a part and knowing what role that they can play. Um, and that's to me why it's foundational for people to understand, well, this is how culture is built and this is the role that you can play and this is how you can contribute to a positive workplace culture. That's interesting. That's fantastic. Thank you. I really appreciate your time. I want you, if you have anything that you'd like to kind of share about 1821 or anything coming down the line that you'd kind of like to kind of share about and talk about, that'd be great. And also, if you'd like for people that may hear this to get in touch with you, how they can do that, um, that would be awesome. Absolutely. Well, I will just uh, I will just say that 1821 Health is a company that's dedicated to leadership development for everyone, uh, regardless of position, rank, or title. Uh, it is dedicated to building foundational leadership skills so that you can be more effective in your role, um, as well as prepare you for ongoing leadership positions that you may be aspiring towards. And I would even add that for seasoned executives, uh, it is something that is a great resource um, to not only enhance uh, leadership skills, but, um, but also to, um, to, to, to learn uh, things that, uh, that, that you may not have been trained in previously. Mm. Um, the best way to, to learn more is by going to our website www.1821health.com. And to reach out to me, if you would like to have a conversation or learn more, then please do so. My email is rusty at 1821health.com. And it has really been a pleasure uh, speaking with you all today. And uh, I could go on for a long, long time, 
uh, about leadership in the company. Um, but, um, uh, but for the time that we've had, I, I really appreciate this. This has been awesome. I couldn't share that sentiment more. I was like, we could do this for a couple hours. This is great, <laughs> but we do appreciate your time. This has been awesome, Rusty. Thanks for coming on. And, um, we're excited to get this out and let people hear it. Great. Great. Yeah. Thanks so much again. Thank you, sir. Thanks. Appreciate you. Thanks.